Welcome to Talk Music to Me. We are happy to have with us today Amara Dumlau. Amara and I met in San Diego a few weeks ago at the largest social media marketing world conference. And uh, we we met in the, the hotel lounge and sat down and, and started chatting about, you know, ourselves and discovered that we had so many things to discuss that I just absolutely had to have Amara come on the podcast and and share her her musical history with everyone. So Amara's got really two big projects that she's been working on. Um, the first one is the big sound project uh, that was started because of her dad's record company in San Antonio. And then she's also got another one. Um, it's the mixtape project that she started and it is called Mixed With Care. So welcome Amara. I'm excited to have you here today on Talk Music To Me. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, obviously I, I mentioned, you know, the big sound project and the mixed with care, but tell me, tell us more about those and, and how that all got started. Well, uh, it started, I like to think of it as it started with a mixtape. Um, I found myself sitting down. I was really interested in making YouTube videos. This is before I'd ever made any YouTube videos, which is a long time ago now. Um, but I was really interested in it. I sat down and, and wanted to explain why um, a mixtape was different than a mix CD and how that's even more different than having um, a playlist. My idea really being that a mixtape, back when you made these originally, you had to like, you know, sometimes you'd have to like put them in a a cassette player. You'd have to wait for songs to show up on the radio. I mean, none of this was legal, but they and, weren't And well. time it right to hit the record and you always miss the beginning. And, totally. Uh -huh. They were always chopped up wrong, but there was a lot of heart that went into them because they took so much care to make. Yes. Um, yes. So I, or, you know, even if you did it from tape to tape, still, it took a lot more time than it did later to make mixed CDs. Right. right. And then um, later to, to share playlists, you can throw those together in minutes and just yeah. kind of I could send you my entire playlist probably pretty quickly. Um, right. And yes. in, in the curation element changes that existed there, um, I sat down, I thought it was going to be like a five minute explanation. And as is the case with people who are in social spaces in general, it became a really, really long story. And I started to think about the role mixtapes had played in my life, um, in my mother's life, in my family's life, um, and in the lives of people around me and what music means to them. Um, at that time, I was working um, a kind of standard nine to five at a company called Corbis. It was a stock photography company. Um, and I had a revelation one day when I realized I had not self-elected to listen to music in about four years. I'd been so focused on like climb the ladder thinking yeah. that I really, I mean, I'd listened to music, but it had never been like I sat down and chose it. And I went, oh no, this is a problem. When I think of things that matter in my life in the top 10 list, music is in there. So we have, we need, it was a big, you got to realign your, your lifestyle. You got to change your mindset for me. So I started thinking about mixtapes around that time and I kind of started to dive into music and I started um, the Mixed With Care project. The base bone of it was me going around and finding mixtapes at like Goodwills and other places and, and adventuring through music through curation people had done previously for others. Um, 
And it has led to me having a very large collection of cassette tapes, which is (laughs) what everyone needs in the year 2020. Right. (laughs) But it really, um, it led me also along the path of experimenting with social, which just is a concept that keeps like, kept rupturing out of my life until social media became what it has become to me. Um, So that was mixed with care. Around the same time, and because I was so interested in, around when I left that job, um, I was so interested in music, my uh, mother kind of offhandedly mentioned that my father had had a record company. Now, my father passed when I was very young. I was four years old. Um, I know. Sorry, it's the cat. That's Mika. Um, She's the worst intern ever. That's what we say. (laughs) Mara Doomla world. Um, So I, uh, I had been really interested in um, in music and my mother mentioned offhandedly that she think she thought my father had a record company or no, my uncle sent a picture I'd never seen. And it, it, that's it. And it had a picture of my father's record studio and it said Trin's record studio, San Antonio, Texas. And it was like a scan of a picture from one of those old albums where the pages have that like cellophane that sticks to itself. Oh yeah. Funny. I just went through a bunch of those yesterday. (laughs) Totally. So you get what I'm saying. I mean, the thing, it was bad quality, everything. And it was a picture from a while ago. I mean, my, my father was significantly older than my mother. So, um, it was a picture from like the late sixties and I was, my mind was just blown. Um, I had no idea my father had a background in this. That's not a story I'd been told. And so I started. And what age were you that you found this out? I want to say like 30, 32. Okay. Yeah. 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 Pretty pretty early into my 30s. I mean, it was definitely not something I knew growing up. It was a huge revelation. That's funny that it was never mentioned before. Yeah. um, It was it was totally wild. Um, and you know, when you, you have a missing parent, uh, when you're growing up, sometimes there's a lot of mystery to unearth. And in my life, it's led to a lot of adventuring, but the mixtape thing and the, and the record company thing, um, they kind of went hand in hand that same year. I work, um, a lot of events. That's one of the many things that I do. And that same year, um, Penny Arcade Expo or PAX, I don't know, it's a big video game convention that was based in Seattle originally and is now all over the place, opened a new branch in San Antonio, Texas, which is where that um, record company was based. So I found myself going there to work and I said, okay, I got to start researching it. And then since then, um, what I call the big sound project, the Wildcat big sound project kind of emerged out of that. So um, and it's about exploring my father's history with with his record company, learning about my own personal relationship with music, and it's led to some really interesting things um, over the years. <laughs> I uh, I've reconnected with a sister, a half sister I had not seen since honestly his funeral when I was very young. As a result of it, um, it's been just all kinds of interesting things that are what music does beyond just being sounds. Right. So how did that happen with the reconnection of the the half sister? Um, I I used social. I reached out to who I thought it could be on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And um, because it was a blind request on Facebook and Facebook is the way it is, it it sat there (laughs) for a while. Right. Yeah. I do do a lot of that kind of pinging out into the verse Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. letting it float around. Um, I I think it's one of the ways social can positively surprise you. Let me tell you. Um, and you know, I think I wrote something saying, I think you might be the right person. I I think this might be you. I'm not entirely sure. 
Um, but if that's the case, you know, I'm here and I'm doing this project and I'm going to be coming to San Antonio. We reconnected. She actually, I stayed with her and her family, got to know um, them during that trip there. And she was able to solve a problem because this took a few years of going back and forth to San Antonio for this event yeah. um, and doing the research. She was able to finally help me figure out where the actual business was because in the, in that time period, records weren't great. I mean, we're talking about like mad men times, right? <laughs> you weren't doing the best, maybe keeping track of like formal documents. So yeah. I was having tons of trouble figuring out where exactly the building would have been. And my older sister, she said, Oh, I can show it to you. I remember I used to go there as a kid. I haven't been there in forever. Oh, funny. And so for me, it was like this great story about my father, but there's also this great story about like the history piece of what can happen when you reach out to people. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up there. And interestingly enough, the record studio is um, where it is. It's a watch shop now. And the family that owns that watch shop was the one, the same family that bought it from my father. So they could tell me where things were in the building. And oh, wow. changed things. And they took me on a tour. I mean, it was, it's amazing. I've got a little bit of video footage and whenever we get, that's another book project for me. So whenever <laughs> that book gets done, um, I have some videos I'm hoping to make into like cool book, bookish marketing spots for that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, I definitely 100% believe in the fact of like the power of music and you just never know what it's going to lead to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I have a million stories I could tell you about, you know, different concert events and like meeting people or finding, you know, finding something about somebody that you never would have known. And it typically yeah. is, you know, it's because of something, either a, a shared passion for music or an artist or whatever it is. Totally. Um, I think so can change everything. So in the show, I typically, um, I have some questions, yeah. um, that, that I, I like to ask. Um, and we try to try to switch it up. So one of my favorite questions, and I feel like everybody talks about this if you're, you know, anything in music. So do you prefer Beatles or Rolling Stones? I was, I was raised more, I wasn't actually raised on either of them, but I, I first encountered the Beatles. So I'm going to stick with the Beatles. Although I, I would say I listen to the Stones more now. Oh, really? Yeah. Honey, I'm, I'm total Beatles. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite concert venue? Ooh, oh my gosh. They're going to kick me out of Seattle if I pick one. Um, <laughs> I, live in, I live in a historic kind of concerty city, um, which yeah. I mean, I think most major cities at this point have music legacy. Um, there, there is, I've personally had really amazing experiences at, um, a venue here called Numos. And then there's one that's called the Crocodile giant crocodiles as, as door handles. Oh, funny. Um, and the crocodile was um, featured quite a great deal in the movie Singles, which was shot in ah. Seattle. And there's a lot of Seattle bands. The reason I'm bringing that up, not um, nothing against Singles and its questionable plot line, but the um, it, it shows some live footage of a lot of the kind of grunge era Seattle bands yeah. during that time. And it wasn't because they staged it. It's because those were just local bands during the time. So it's kind of an interesting like look into that grunge air quotes grunge rock scene in Seattle. Those times we're kind of most famous for now musically. 
So were you, were you a part of that scene? No, I'm not. I, I didn't live in Seattle during, okay. during the time period. I, yeah. But I, I did love it from afar, and it definitely yes. was one of the draws to being here later. Yeah, me uh, too. I mean, I'm not there, and I haven't been, mm-hmm. really. But it was definitely, I mean, I grew up in that time frame. Uh, like, oh, my God, I had a, a poster of Eddie Vedder in <laughs> my room in college for, like, basically the entire time I was in college. See, and so. now I can take you to a variety of places in Seattle where he is known to show up sometimes. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's, there's it's that. on. It's on. <laughs> um, so do you have do you have a specific band or artist that is your favorite? Oh, no. I mean, I, the more I travel and the more I like am around international spaces and everything like that, choosing a particular band is so hard because I think of the music in my life as somewhat time connected, right? Like this was the kind of music I was listening to when these things happened in my life. Um, I do have a strong belief though, that there is, this is one that music people will definitely not all agree with, but I don't really think that there is bad music if it adds positively to people's lives. Um, and I had to teach myself that because I remember a time period where people um, in the 90s, yeah, I'll date myself some, in the 90s, <laughs> um, when people were like really into boy bands, if you had like, um, like I had girlfriends that would come to me secretly and tell me, like they'd secretly be like, actually, I'm really into this boy band. And it was all very quiet and like hush, hush. And um in a way, it really helped you bond with people because you could say, I'm, you know, I accept it. I'm, I'm cool with whatever it is that this particular thing brings to your life. But also, as I got older, I started to think, why wouldn't we just support that, right? Of all right. the things. Right. Like, and that's just kind of how I, that's my take on music in general. So even when I'm not naturally drawn to music, if I meet someone who is, sometimes I will like, see if there's music I can learn from them or understand music better because of the passion they have for it. Awesome. So it's, it's funny that you're talking about boy bands because so I am in the process of trying to go through like a bunch of my personal stuff, like that, you know, has been collected over a lifetime and um, get rid of it. And last night it was going through stuff and found a floppy disc that had my name and NKOTB. Nice. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who has a computer that I can <laughs> use this with so we can find out what's on here? Oh, like that's that's a good project. See, that's that's where I'd go. Like, ooh, like what can we do with that? Is there a social media project? Go find like an old, like like a floppy, floppy, floppy disk. Are we talking about, you're probably talking about like the hard, the hard yes. ones. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't, what do they call those? I can't even... And I think they are floppy disks too. It's very, but they're, yeah, it's the little, it's not the big one that is actually floppy. It's the smaller one. That's the made of hard plastic. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So (laughs) anyway, um, okay. So do you have any, um, like interesting concert stories or experiences that you want to share? Totally. I mean, we're, we're on the, the scope of boy bands and, um, yeah. Oh, I love to talk about this. So um, the the closest thing I ever had to like a boy band interest was I was really into Hanson at one point when I was younger. Okay. No, I know. Yeah. And, um, I'm super clear on what that means to most of culture. Um, but I uh, I told myself back when I was 
in that kind of age range that someday I'd see them in concert. And they yeah. came to play in Seattle. And I kid you not, the line was one of the longest lines I have ever seen for a concert in the city. Um, it went like past like two or three blocks down a hill. And I, I remember thinking about this and learning that like the fandom community that surrounds them is huge. And then they played, I think, three or four encores to like a really just sold out. It's really a punk rock venue historically. Um, and uh, afterwards, I remember reading the the venues uh, like Instagram page and they said, we did not anticipate that our concert of the year was going to be Hanson, but you know, <laughs> Seattle. So right. that's, like, that's kind of, that was, that was a big one. Um, oh, let's see here. The first ever concert I went to, oh, was um, the Mighty Blue Kings, which was like, it's one of those bands where there's a, you know, they play that old, like kind of old take on beginning rock and roll and um, I really, that was really interesting. It was a band I'd never heard of before. Occasionally yeah. I go to a concert just to see um, because I find great value in just, you know, stumbling into what's happening. And again, from learning what's, what people around me are passionate about. It's kind of a, non, a nonstop nexus in my life. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of goals in like <laughs> what I want to see, like the bands I'd like to see someday. Who, who, who is on that list? Um, there is a there was a band called Hummingbird in Japan at one point, and I'd really love to see their lead singer still goes out and plays like some of his like big songs, and I'd really like to see him play at some point. Um, I I want to see Madonna play one time. Um, I'm a big old Madonna fan. Um, yeah. I I continue to think she's kind of uh, an unstoppable force of an entrepreneur, <laughs> and so. I find that endlessly impressive. Um, there's actually a really big picture of Madonna that sits in my office. Oh, that, I love that. That is. I'm, um, I'm a hundred percent old Madonna fan. As well. Yeah. Well, I've got a cool like LP of some like Japanese recordings of some of that stuff. You can come listen to whenever. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> we can throw that on the box. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really love the story of how she built her career. That's kind of the yeah. that I like there. So I have a picture in my room that's, um, basically of her right before she launched and she's sitting in like a, she's in New York. She's like sitting in one of those places where you buy newspapers and yeah. you can tell it's old because there's pictures like there's Kodak film development prices on it. There's an advertisement for cigarettes, which never happens anymore. And, you know, um, and right. you'll see it in her eyes that she's kind of DIY this whole outfit together. And I, I love that part of her arc and her story. So, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. So since, you know, obviously you've got like the mixtape project and cassettes and stuff, what are your thoughts and feelings around the resurgence of vinyl? I mean, I think it's great that people are interested in vinyl. I think it's really great for the people who've loved vinyl throughout, right? Yeah. <laughs> the people who are yeah. like, oh no, this thing I love is just dying into oblivion whenever those things come back because there's a history lesson there as much as there's like modern pressings, right? Vampire Weekend puts out uh, like a new pressing on vinyl and that's fun for their fans, you know, across the board. But yep. it also gives the person who goes to buy it a chance to go into a, a vinyl shop and inquire as to why this other pressing costs $2,000, like, why is that something that's so rare and so special and so meaningful? And um, a lot of vinyl that 
that is important to people is live shows or mm -hmm. really rare things are contained in it. Um, yep. Liner notes are missing from digital spaces sometimes. So there's that piece of this. Um, so I love it. I mean, but I, I live in like a pretty like hipster laden capital. So I'm, oh, yes, do I do. have a section of vinyl? Did I go page through it during a break we had? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, I mean, I'm, I've been a fan of vinyl like my entire life. And when my dad passed away in um, 2005, I actually inherited all of his vinyl. So I don't even know how many records I got from him. I would say probably like 200 ish. Mm -hmm. I got rid of a bunch um, be, just because they're, it's a lot, right? Like yeah. they're big and heavy and like moving them. And so I got rid of a bunch that were people that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I kept the ones that I know or like or whatever. Um, but then I also, as my, you know, the newer artists have started doing more and more vinyl, I pretty much any of my favorite artists, I have at least one vinyl record, That's of, if not the whole, you know, all of them. Um, so yeah, I, I love vinyl. I do too. I really kind of, I got into it partially because I was visiting our, we have a, um, a pop culture and music museum here in Seattle. And I was visiting them, which I do rather regularly just to get inspired by all kinds of things. And they had a display about Hendrix, um, uh, Jimi Hendrix and his history in this area. And they had this beautiful like listening couch. And uh -huh. one of the things that that particular museum, the Mopop, what it, contains is um digital like mp3s of all of uh jimmy hendrix's or many of his personal vinyl so they've made copies of those into mp3s and you can sit in that display and listen to them and, and so you're hearing not just these particular albums that were important to him but the same like pops and hisses and cracks you know that vinyl gives you that were the ones that were part of his music his self-selected music history um, and I got so into thinking about this that I sat there for, oh my gosh, a couple hours one day um, on this couch they had, this circular orange listening couch, and listened to um, so many of his albums that I kind of fell in love with it. I mean, I, I just kind of, I'm, I'm very like open about being very strange. I just kind of like laid on this couch and listened to vinyl in a museum for a couple hours, you know, as you do. And I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> okay, cool. That's because we're cut of the same cloth, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, that's, that's totally something I would do as well. <laughs> so, but afterwards, I was so in love with this couch I'd been laying on. I was, I've never had a listening couch I'd been uh, near. I went and asked the museum, um, the docent, like where it came from. What is this object? And uh, she connected me with their set designer, I think. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a, like a modified, some other country's Ikea bed that's circular and then put on wheels so they can move it and then recovered. Anyway, it's this whole special piece of furniture. And I said to him, well, this is really something pretty cool that you created. And they said, well, uh, you know, we have a couple more in storage. Would you want to buy one? So um, fast forward to me running a U-Haul and <laughs> moving a giant circular, in essence, bed on yes. wheels uh, down the middle of a street in Seattle. Uh-huh. Normal. Put it in my house so that I have a place to listen to vinyl from. <laughs> so I definitely think we need to see a picture of this. 
um, yes. to include, you know, on the, the show notes. Definitely. We can do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, possibly, you know, we need it with you on it, you know, listening. <laughs> okay. Maybe I think that would be, happen. that would be amazing. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely, I think that's definitely a YouTube video in the future. So right. Spoilers I, I wish that, uh, we had video of you actually, um, pushing this thing down the streets. I wish I had it too. I don't think I was making videos at that point, but, but you yeah. know, you know, those lost things. I, I was just writing about this actually in the book that I'm writing, you know, there, there is something to be said for the, the magic of things you can't capture. <laughs> So right. I didn't, I didn't manage to capture that, but I sure did yeah. capture. It's just, a, it's just a great memory and yeah, a great visual. Yeah. And now for all of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are like, give me a couple of what you're, what you're listening to now. Oh, like, what's um, your go-to. Sure. So go to, um, the last couple of years I've been really into the riot girl music scene. Okay. Um, uh -huh. A lot of that came from Olympia, Washington, which is nearby. Yeah. Um, so I love Slater Kinney and I pretty much trust uh, Carrie Brownstein to lead me in the right direction in general. Um, I also have been listening to a lot of Buddy Holly lately and like oh. Otis Redding. I love to take a dive into music history every once in a while. I find that a lot of my new ideas come from digging around in historical things. Um, and so that's, that's kind of my jam there. Um, I was listening to Elvis recently, but that's just because I was thinking about the the mentor I have that sometimes um, doubles as Elvis in my life. <laughs> so, right. uh, yeah. oh, that's funny. So, if you were stuck on a desert island, what's the if you could only take one album? <sighs> oh man, this is a weird thing to say. Probably Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> okay. Um, just because I like to sing, and I find that uh, there's a lot of like vocal push in that I don't I used to sing a lot and um that's that's still a like good album for a, a good long car ride of singing yeah out loud. absolutely it's not a great singing in your house album because it's so loud it depends <laughs> right. I guess where you live but it's a great singing yeah. in your car or I guess if you're in a desert island there's the upside to a desert island you can sing anything right. you want no yeah. exactly as as you want listen to everything at 11 yep doesn't matter. Nobody's no. gonna. Nobody's gonna care. This is like me trying to sell people on a desert island. Let's talk about the benefits. <laughs> yeah, too funny. Well, I just I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a pleasure chatting with you about all things music. And obviously, I need a trip to Seattle to come hang out with you. Sounds like that's the plan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely. Well, it's been really fun getting to talk to you about this. This is a part of my life. I don't always get to talk to people about all that much. So, right. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for being on. And thank you for listening to Talk Music to Me. May all your favorite bands stay together. Yeah.